following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Watching a little Field of Dreams before I uh, came over here tonight on uh, MTV2. He had just built the ball diamond. And that's still that's I, a thing? I guess. <laughs> I couldn't tell you wow. what, the, what the regular programming is during the day. Maybe they show music videos. Maybe they do cribs. Maybe they do Yo! MTV raps. Music TV to I, showing 80s movies, yeah. right? Isn't that what something? It wow. That's what it was. Did you cry? Get to any point. Hey, well, they, uh, they had just built the stadium, and uh, Shoeless Joe had just shown up. Okay, okay, so I was it was just getting to the real guts of it before. Uh, it's a dusty movie. Oh, jeez! At the end, just one of those that'll get you. Yeah, I feel like you have to watch the whole thing and really get invested in the relationship that he had with his dad and why everything happened. Because if you if you tune in with like twenty minutes left, it doesn't really do anything to it. Right, right. Like you have to watch it and be invested for the whole time. And then come to the conclusion, and then you're a mess. Sure. You know, I find that with a lot of movies, like Rudy, when he runs onto the field and it gets me dusty. If I tune in where he hasn't, you know, gone through all the whole strenuous process of barely getting in, getting his ass kicked for a couple of years, not getting on the roster. Like, you go through all that stuff. The and janitor hasn't given him a pep talk. Right. But if you tune in and it's like, oh, he got left off the roster and now he's going to get in the game. Okay. It's just, it doesn't have the same effect. Right. So. All right. Uh, the Christmas and New Year's edition of the Intentional Foul. We'll back, we're back for another episode. We'll do some NFL stuff. Uh, we'll go around the NBA, some college hoops. It was early National Signing Day today oh. for college football. So yeah. I was following some of the Whitewater stuff. Um, they, got, uh, they got a couple of good players from Beaver Dam uh, back when, Craig and Parker were in the Badger in that last year of the two-year mm. experiment when they were in the Badger Large. And the quarterback, uh, his last name's Mendoza, and the running back, Gabe Klatt, who ran for like 300 yards a game. He's had two knee injuries, two big injuries, oh. though. Um, but when he's playing, he is a beast. Hmm. But both those guys from Beaver Dam are going to Whitewater. they got a couple other guys that obviously I haven't heard of, but it's, it's always nice to do some background. And the Badger's got... Um, a pretty good recruiting class. We could just touch on that. And then uh, Brewers made a trade today. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then Dan has some some thoughts about just the way that sports games are happening nowadays. And I don't know whether it's an evolution or a de-evolution. I will leave that to uh, him, and you can decide for yourself if you're listening on whether you agree with uh, his take and whatnot. But... Uh, we'll start with the NFL as we usually do. Uh, both games were on featuring the teams that we cheer for. The Bears were on one network and the Packers were on the other. I was kind of flipping back and forth. and Not that I wanted to watch the Bears, but at the times that I needed to get away from watching the Packers' defense suck, um, I, I did turn on the Bears and I saw a little bit. I didn't see the end of the game, which you had sent me the clip of that, which was just... I mean, you had everything in this game. Oh, I, It was... Yeah, yeah. It was it was something something to behold, right? Um, 
Bears lose twenty to seventeen. They blow a they blow a ten point lead heading into the fourth quarter for the third time this season. Did it against Denver. Did it at Detroit, and then did it again on Sunday. Um, you know the the coaching of this team, and and you're you're going you're going through the same thing with the Packers, like the week to week inconsistency of the way, like I can't figure out who this team is, and we're in week fifteen. Are they a running team? Are they a passing team? Are they are they a defensive team? Like they're all over the place. The one coaching the one thing in their coaching that is consistent is dog shit play calling. <laughs> um you know, third and short, fourth and fourth and short, you know, running reverses to Tyler Scott, who's got one rush on the season. Um, you know, basically what that what you're telling me there is I don't know what to run, so let's try to trick him. Which is not a good strategy not as an a offensive coordinator. To run something. No. no. Um you know, I, I think this week listen, I knew going into the game that this was gonna be a bitch of a game for Fields because Cleveland's got a great defense. They've got a great I I think them and Dallas throughout the season, although Dallas has had a couple hiccups, uh, have been the best defenses in the league. And um, Cleveland's pass pass rush has been great all year. Miles Garrett is a a beast, might be the best defensive player in football, or he's certainly in the conversation. Um, The Bears' line, offensive line, has, has been very spotty all year, last couple years, but certainly this year. And, um... I knew going into the game, Fields was not going to have good stats. You were just hoping that he could do enough to help him win the game. And, um, you know, unfortunately for him, I feel like the coaching and his skill position guys let him down. Um, There was a play early in the first half. He throws a beautiful pass down the middle of the field over the shoulder to Robert Tanyan. I mean, you could he couldn't have handed it to him better. I saw that on Twitter. It's a, it's a touchdown. Tanyan's got four or five yards on the guy, and I think he's going to catch the ball around the fifteen. Like he's scoring if he catches it, he just drops it. Um, the Bears guys called it the worst drop of the season. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, Mooney had a couple drops. Tyler Scott had a drop. Um, I think I think well, I can't remember if it was Johnson or Herbert had a drop out of the backfield. Um, you know, Fields ends up going 19 for 40 for like 140-ish yards, one touchdown, two picks, okay? But if Tanyan catches that ball, he's got like another 60 yards. If those other guys catch the ball that they should catch, he's got three more completions. So now he's like 30 or, you know, he's 23 for 38 for 240 and two touchdowns and both interceptions. One was on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half when, for some reason, they decided not to attempt a 54-yard field goal. I, don't, I still haven't heard an explanation as to why. Throws a pick there. And then the, on the last play of the game, he throws what ends up being an interception after the ball gets tipped around and lands in Darnell Mooney's chest, in his belly, as he's sitting in the end zone. He somehow not only doesn't catch it, but kicks it into the air 
and gets it picked off. So, like, if ever there was a game where, like, if you're evaluating Justin Fields, don't look at the stats because the stats do not tell the story. Like, he played pretty well against a really good defense, and he got no help. And, you know, when you're asking a dude to just have to basically throw it and catch it at the same time and block for himself, that's hard to do in football. You know, this isn't the NBA where, like, you can just clear out and give the ball to a guy and he can get you 50. That's not what happens in the NFL. Like, you can't do that. Um, the defense was pretty good. Um, you know, they had a pick six. They forced, they, I think, Flacco threw three picks. But then at the end of the game, Eberflus, for some reason, on one of the biggest plays of the game, he blitzes a safety and has a D lineman, a DN, drop into coverage to try to card Najoku, who was destroying them the whole game. And he picks up a huge first down that ends up leading to the game-winning field goal. So... They they blew a they blew a golden opportunity to somehow stay in the playoff race, to win a couple of games in a row, and for Eberflus and Getze even to say, look, we're heading in the right direction here. We we started off zero and four, we lost our quarterback for three weeks. We're still six and eight. We're in the playoff, or we would they would have been what? Yeah, six and eight. They would have been in the mm-hmm. playoff race. Instead, they're five and nine. The season's over, and now you're and wondering. Under five. Well, and and now you're wondering: do we do we do we want to lose? Do we want to lose the last three games? And if we decide we do, what are we going to do with our quarterback these last three games? I I don't know. Have you seen enough? And I'm not asking you personally. I'm just organizationally. Have we seen enough to make a decision where we can just sit him and put in somebody else for further evaluation as a backup later or whatever? But it definitely does not give you guys a strong chance to win. Yeah, I'm at the point right now, and I think I'm sure there's a lot of people that would disagree with me. I'm sure every Packer fan would disagree with me because they they love shitting on the Bears and their quarterback. I see no reason to move on from Fields right now. I really don't. Unless uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May absolutely blows the Bears' front office away. And you're like, listen, we can't not draft this guy. We have to draft this guy. I wouldn't move off of him. I think you give him, you, you pick up his fourth year option, you see what happens next year. Um, and if you then you can decide whether or not you want to commit long-term. But this team has got so many holes. I just don't think drafting a quarterback is going to solve a lot of the problems. And then and then it comes back to the coaching thing. We can't do the lame duck coach getting a quarterback. They just did it with Nagy. They did it a couple years ago with Fox. It, it doesn't work. You can't do it. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's disappointing because they everything – on Sunday fell exactly. If you're sitting there going, the Bears need seven things to happen this week for them to to really actually be in playoff contention. I think like six of them happened. The seventh one that didn't happen was them winning the game, and they had the game won and they screwed it up. So very frustrating. Um, not as frustrating to me as watching Joe Barry try to scheme a defense against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Baker Mayfield. Baker was cooking. That he was cooking. Absolutely ripped you apart. Um 
What did he have, like, four incompletions or five incompletions on the whole oh, day? It was like I don't know his 23 numbers. or 24 for 28. I know like, he had 381 and yeah. four touchdowns. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And I've never seen more room down the middle of the field in the seams. It, it was open all day. They schemed it up, Tampa Bay, and I will give them credit, and Barry never adjusted. They got their good guys on linebackers who couldn't cover them all the time. They got by him. They stopped short of the safeties, wide open. Baker made some good passes and threaded some needles. I mean, I will I will give him credit for that. But when you're throwing right over the middle of the field and you basically just drop back three, five steps and fire it right straight ahead of you, you know, you're not even making any other reads. You probably, as soon as you have to look left, oh, this guy's breaking right over the middle. Easy. Mm-hmm. Don't need to go anywhere else. And and on numerous situations where the Buccaneers had less than 10 yards to go for the first down, I think I saw one clip of they had, it was third and eight. Safeties are 25 yards downfield. The corners are at the first down markers or more. Like, they're giving them five to eight yards off the ball. It's like all you – there's just so much room. And I don't don't understand how the – like, we've seen games, and I get it, it's not at the professional level, but I don't know how this can happen – I've seen games where specific adjustments are made at halftime to what an opposing offense is doing, and you come out and you kick their ass. You just smoke them. They're not going to be able to do what they've been doing to you. You stop them. We don't have that, and I don't know why. They kept doing what they were doing, and we were still doing our stuff. Like It didn't work in the first half. What makes you think it's going to work in the second half? They did get five sacks. After, after a week ago against the league's worst offensive line, not getting any against Mr. DeVito. So, I mean, you got to him, but I got Devondre Campbell now tweeting. Yeah, I saw that. And then they asked him about it in the locker room today about what he meant, you know, about I'm done playing hurt. I'm looking out for me, trying to help the team, not anymore. So they asked him that in the locker room today, and about 90 seconds into that, the team closed the locker room to the media. Hmm. Not going to deal with that. And and Campbell even said, "I'm not going to. I'm not here to talk about anything that's on the internet. If you want to ask about the Panthers, fine." And then everybody at the Packers said, "Okay, media out. Session over." I was like, "Really? That's how you're gonna you're gonna do that?" Hmm. And Lafleur on Monday saying that if he thought the it would the best move for the team would be to make a personnel change, that's the move he would make but he didn't think that that's what the case was with Joe Barry. I don't understand that. Well, I, I it is all about, it, it is, and, and that is the thing sometimes, I think, when we call for certain, co- and, and I'm the same way, like, I'd love if the Bears fired Luke Getze, but, like, who the hell's going to call the plays then? See, but to me, that's not a reason not to do something. When you're no good, you might as well just ride it out. I want to see if I got somebody else in there who can do something. Does somebody have some fresh ideas? Does somebody say, yeah, I have been unable to tell this guy what to do because he's in charge. I've been trying to say that this is what we're doing and it's wrong. 
I want to try and do something else. And granted, you're not going to completely flip the script or rewrite everything with three or four games left in the season. I get that there's not going to be some monumental shift mm-hmm. in scheme, but at least make a couple changes. We're like, well, we can fix that. We can do that. That's been wrong. I, I don't believe that there are so many things that are huge that have to take place. There, I, I, you know, I. I That's one of those things, though, where I, I wonder sometimes, and I, I wonder this about like Eberflus with the Bears, and I think we've talked about this before. Like, does he hear the offensive play call? Does he know what play they're running? Right. Can he say to the coach, like, what the fuck are we running that for? And same thing with Lafleur. Like, if Lafleur Lafleur's watching the same game we're watching, why is he not calling up to the booth and saying to Barry, "Why are we playing ten yards off these guys?" That that's the part of the of NFL coaching that I'm just not clear on. Like, how does that work? So he said, now he's going to be more involved with the defense. He said he watched the tape and there were some glaring 15, things to him, man. and it's like it's week fifteen. Like, where have you been? And he said communication is the problem. And I, I said this morning on, on the radio, I was like, you mean to tell me at this point in the season, not everybody's on the same page? I don't get that. I don't that, get that either. That's a complete indictment of what's going on. It's a complete indictment of your coaching staff. Right. Because that is your job, if is you, to get everybody on the same page. That's what. That's the first yes. thing you do. Yes. First thing, everybody's got to know what they're doing and where they're supposed to be. If you don't have that, you're not going to succeed. So, do you think Lafleur's job's in jeopardy? I think him showing enough loyalty, because like I, I was reading some things about one of his faults is just sticking with guys way too long. Because I don't know if it's his relationships with them or whatever. Like Mo Drayton on the special teams, he kept him around way too long. Um, I think. But here's the thing, too. It's not his decision to fire somebody. That has to go to Mark Murphy. He Because when they reorganized the Gutekunst coach, uh, president of ops or whatever Murphy's title is, um, that personnel change has to come. Now, Lafleur can go to Goody or to Murphy and be like, this guy needs to go. And they can say, okay, we totally agree. Yeah, I have a hard we time believing Mark Murphy's going to be like, nope, right. nope, not firing your D coordinator. Yeah, nope. Exactly. So... I get it. There's a chain of command and a hierarchy. It's just weird, but whatever. Lafleur would go to him and say, "We we need to make a change," and they'd probably say yes. I think not pushing for that is a reflection on his decision making and his evaluation. And I don't know who made the decision to hire him in the first place, but we knew when we got him. Looking at the track record, it was terrible. Not good. Like, what are we doing with this guy? And the maddening thing is, statistically speaking, they've been in the top half of the league. They've been in the top third of the league, maybe even flirting with the top quarter of the league. It's never been dominant. It's never been elite. You never go, Packers got a really good defense. We're going to be in trouble. Like you said when the Bears played the Browns, they got a really good mm-hmm. defense. I don't think anybody has said that under Joe Barry about the Packers' defense. Sure. There have been so many, like on paper, there are so many good players it's like, how are we this bad? Did everybody that we've drafted in these first and second and third rounds, do they all suck? Have we not done a good job of building them up and really making them grow? I, it's just 
it's unfathomable to me that they can be this bad. And, and you have to hold somebody responsible. And the fact that Lafleur can sit and say, with the playoffs on the line, you need to win these last three games. I'm comfortable keeping this guy where he is because if I knew that it was in the best interest of the team to make a change, I'd make it. The fact that he doesn't do that heading into three big games, that's concerning to me. That means your decision-making is not very good. And maybe he is thinking, like you said, who else are we going to get to do this? Somebody on that staff, they have a million assistants nowadays on NFL team. Somebody's going to know how to call defense. They are. You have somebody that can do it. Somebody who's waiting for a job. Somebody who's going to be interviewed in the offseason for a job. So, I don't know. The fact that you just let this guy hang around, I, I fine, get to the playoffs. Who? Which team's going to show up? The team that beat Kansas City and the team that beat Detroit on Thanksgiving or the team that's lost to these two fucking bum teams the last two weeks? Which one is it? I don't know. Who are we? You got three weeks left of the season. You still don't know who you are. That's what I'm saying about my team. It's crazy, right? It's unbelievable. It just shows that. It just shows that at the end of the day, they're not good. No, they're not. <laughs> we could we could do all the ifs, ands, and buts we want, but they're not good. And listen, and the reason I ask about Lafleur, and and I don't think I don't think his job's in jeopardy this year, because I don't think. You know, I think internally the Packers maybe thought they had a chance to make the playoffs, but there wasn't a lot of pressure to make the playoffs. But you didn't make it last year. You don't make it this year. You kind of feel like you you got to make it next year, right? This year, I think, was the year. And they still could make it still this could. year. They could. But I think this year's theme was we got to see what we have in luck. For sure. Yep. And that's you see how he grows with these guys. If we don't make the postseason, fine. But we'll see some jumps. And then next year, we've got all this cap room. All this dead money is gone. You know, from the Rodgers contract and some other people that we're paying to not. How much money are we paying for guys to not play? It's unbelievable. So I'm not saying they're going to go on a free agent spending spree, but they're going to have an opportunity to upgrade. Next year, if he keeps this dude around, then he's on the hot seat. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. So, uh, but it was, I, I've, if you could be at my house, I've probably never been so mad. More upset at this one or the giant one? This one. This one? Because the Giant was like, okay, get that out of our system. That was embarrassing. We can't do that again. And now we're at home. And we let these dudes from a warm weather climate, and granted it wasn't Green Bay-ish, winter-ish, you know, but it's still middle of December. We have problems going to warm weather climates. Why can't they have problems going to colder weather climates? And they just absolutely stomped our ass. That's troubling. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go to the Week 15 results on Thursday. Chargers got their coach fired. Man, finally. Sh- finally. Shut out in the all, first half. All it took to fire Brandon Staley was being down 42 to nothing at half to a team that the week before didn't score. Jeez. Think about that. You gave up 63 points to a team that, to got, a team that got shut out the week before. At home. Yeah. That's bad. So Staley gets fired. I don't even know who their coach is now. I I, I, I have no clue, but like th- that team, obviously, just they quit. They yeah. quit. That's what it looks like when an NFL team quits. They're down forty-two to nothing and half. The end of the Minnesota Cincinnati game was unbelievable. I tried to 
uh, explain to you how Team yeah, Egan I did. Scored. I finally saw the replay. What do you think of that? Pretty cool. Pretty cool play. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, pretty risky play, too, because there's that old if you fumble out of the end but, zone thing. But Yep, but, and he's holding that thing mm-hmm. out there with his hand like, okay. Yep. But Vikings lose to the Bengals by three. Um, I think that was in overtime yep. as well, I believe. Yep. Evan McPherson won it for him. Uh, Steelers lost to the Colts. Yeah, was, they're, they're reeling, man. Yeah. Is this, I mean, is this going to be Tomlin's first under 500 season? It's looking that way. It's, I mean, that's pretty. I, I don't know if Pickett will be back this week, but man, I mean, you're trotting out Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. You're 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 in trouble. You're a, you're a mediocre football team at best. Right. C.J. Stroud, he did not play right for the Texans. You skipped the the Lions. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, right. Lions, Lions finally get out of their funk. Clobber Denver. Yeah. Um, which Denver had been hot. For, for for a couple games. But... Nice, nice to see Sean Payton screaming in Russell Wilson's face on the sideline. Right. You know. Russ, you got three games left with us. Enjoy it. You want to do something for those three Hit games? Hit the dispensary. You... Load up. Because you're going to be gone soon. Yeah, take that with you. Yeah. Because you're not coming back to Denver. Take that with you to the Raiders. So those were the Saturday games. Um, and then Sunday, the Stroud did not play for the Texans, right? Mm-hmm. And he, it doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. Doesn't sound like it, yeah. So they beat the Titans by three. Uh, the Dolph- they were they were they were that was their revenge for the Titans wearing their uniforms. That's fitting, you know. But uh, the Jets got shut out by the Dolphins. Yeah, uh, and then Rogers comes out and says, "Oh, wait a minute, we're not making the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not coming." Well, back. I did see that they activated him off of IR, but that seems- Salah wants him at practice yeah, in a round. Just a formality, but yeah, he's not going to play. Which. Somebody was trying to say on Twitter, like, well, he's going to take up a roster spot. And I'm like, it's the Jets. They're not making the playoffs. Who cares? But even the whole having him around thing, like, okay, that's fine. But it's like, what's he going to do for Trevor Simeon and Zach Wilson at this point? Like, these, they suck. Those guys are no good. Coaches are always optimists. Uh, the uh, Taylor Swifts beat the Patriots 27-17. to Yeah, Casey's still looking pretty average. Kind of, yeah. You know? And the Patriots are... They're bad. That's, They're real bad. That's like way back to early 90s bad yep. when they were terrible before oh, yeah. they changed uniforms. Tecmo Bowl bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, Giants come back to earth after their Packers win. They get pounded by the Saints. Uh, DeVito was not good. And I think he was taken out in that game. Did he have an injury, concussion, something like that? I can't remember. Um, boy, high-scoring baseball game. <laughs> Panthers with their second win of the year. 9-7 over the Falcons. Who watched that? No one. No one. But, I mean, Atlanta, dude, you're trying to make the playoffs. You're trying to win your division, and you lose to the Panthers. Uh, didn't see any of the Rams commanders. Uh, L.A. By, by a touchdown and a two-point. Rams are kind of sneaky. Like, I don't really think they're very good. But, you know, if you're the... If you're a division winner, do you really want to see them in the first round of the playoffs? Probably not. If you're Detroit, oh. you want to play the Rams? You, no. want, you want to play Stafford no. and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald? Like No. No, I don't. That seems like a bitch of a, of a matchup, you know? I, I would agree. Uh, Cardinals continue to get thumped this yeah. time by the 49ers. Arizona's just bad. And the Niners are they're loaded. Yeah. They're loaded, man. Uh, Buffalo, boy, not Nearly satisfying enough, but kind of a Super Bowl revenge and just pounding the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I think it was thirty-one to three awesome. going into the fourth. Um, 
They just ran it down Dallas' throat. Does this tell you that Dallas maybe is not as good as we thought, or is this no? Just because an they, they suck on the road. Okay, they suck on the road for whatever reason, um, and it's it's why it's hard to believe they can win the NFC because they're not. You know, get the one. I can't. They're not going to get the one, and I. They're not going into San Francisco, and they would have to hope the Niners get beat. Um. But yeah, it's you know, Dak again. He just he's just not he's good, but he's just not consistently good, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like he can have some awesome games and the, they look great, but he just has a hard time stringing it together for like two months. I uh, didn't see any of the Sunday or Monday night games, but the Ravens beat the Jaguars twenty three seven, and then the Seahawks ninety two yard drive. From Drew Locke with under 30 seconds to go and the game winner. Philly's defense stinks. And a big upset over Philly and Seattle. Like, you can score on them and throw the ball on them. Like, <sighs> you must be able to if Locke is leading your yeah, offense. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like there's a pretty clear separation between the, the Niners and the Cowboys. And then everybody But else. I feel like there's a pretty good separation between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I, I just don't know how in a playoff game they're stopping Dallas. I don't know. That's fair. Um, playoff picture. Go ahead. Start with the AFC. All right. AFC. Baltimore eleven and three. They've clinched a playoff spot. Miami ten and four. Kansas City nine and five. Jacksonville eight and six. Those are your division leaders. Cleveland the top wild card at nine and five, which is just crazy to even <laughs> say, considering they've had fourteen quarterbacks this year. Cincinnati at eight and six, and they haven't had Joe Burrow for a month. I mean, I, really, you got to tip your hat to them. That's impressive that they're that they're where they are. And Indy is eight and six. They're the last wild card I can't in. The Colts are eight and six. Houston's eight and six. Buffalo's eight and six. But they're on the outside looking in due to some tiebreaker stuff. And then Pittsburgh and Denver uh, both seven and seven. Um, right now, Jacksonville, the Colts. And Houston are all tied at eight and six in the South. Um, that's going to be interesting. How that? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, Indy with Minshew. I mean, granted, if Anthony Richardson's their quarterback, they're probably worse. Mm-hmm. So maybe him getting hurt was a blessing in disguise for this year, for at least making the playoffs. But I mean, Cincinnati backup, Indy backup, Pittsburgh backup. Houston, rookie, you know, I mean, like, if you're Buffalo, you got to be sitting there going, dude, if we get in, we got a shot. Should be able to. You know? Um, NFC, San Francisco at 11-3. and three. They've clinched a playoff berth. Dallas, 10-4. and four. They've clinched a playoff berth. Detroit, 10-4. and four. I thought they said the other night that they clinched a playoff berth, but ESPN didn't have them as clinching one. Okay. And Tampa, 7-7. Seven and seven, Those are your division leaders. Philly at 10-4. and four, They've clinched. And then you drop all the way down. You've got Minnesota seven and seven, Rams seven and seven, Seattle seven and seven, Saints seven and seven, Atlanta and the Packers six and eight. Now Minnesota has to play Detroit two of the last three weeks. They play them this week, and then they play them the last week. And then they play the. They're Packers. not. They're not winning either of those games. They play the Packers in between. Yeah, I don't think. I think Minnesota loses out. I think there's no way. Okay. That team is making the playoffs. Um. But the Packers, they got the tiebreaker on the Rams and the Saints. They do not have it on Atlanta. 
Nope. I'm not sure about Seattle. I'd have to look at conference schedule and, and all that. Um, and they're probably going to, if they were to tie Minnesota, I'm sure they'll have tiebreakers as you get farther down the line. But you know, the, the bottom of the NFC is junk. It is very bad. It's junk. I mean, like we said last week, even the fact that the Bears were even in, the Bears and the Giants were still alive is amazing. I mean, to me, you just look at Pittsburgh and Denver, and yeah, both are 7-7. Seven and seven, But I would have to overall on the season go with the Steelers over the Broncos as being the better team that would go into the playoffs. You would think that, but I don't think that's true. I know. I know. Like like Pittsburgh's, they won like a couple games, like, you know, like 13 to 7. Like, they can't score. But I'd. I think both of the ends, both of the bottoms of those playoff picture teams are not good. NFC's worse, but like Steelers to me should not make the postseason. Broncos should not make the postseason. The fact that Indy is getting in and Cleveland's uh, right there along with Cincinnati without their starting quarterbacks. Well, the Bills are back there and Houston being led by a rookie who's now going to be out for the second straight game. Like it's crazy to think about what's happening. I mean, it really is It's a lot of mediocrity and, and, that's, you know, well, three quarters of the league. That'll segue nicely. Speaking of mediocrity, who's winning the MVP? <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I can't remember. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't care about MVPs like I used to. It just seems like it's not really truly an MVP anymore. It's like, you know. Who's it, deserving? It's, it's, it's other. There are way more other factors, it seems, that go into who wins and who doesn't win these awards than there used to be. I mean, I don't know. Um, Purdy, McCaffrey, Lamar. Um, those are probably your top three. Any of those blow you away, no, though? No. I mean, I think McCaffrey's awesome, but running backs don't win MVPs. Dak's not in there? I, I not after this, okay. not after the week he just had. I think right. he was towards the top, um, but he's fallen down. Kansas City's not having a great year. Tua has – Miami's winning, but Tua's not playing particularly well. Um, Jalen Hurts has not played particularly – I mean, yeah, there's just – I don't know. There's and, – and Brock Purdy, I like Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's good, but if you put – I don't know. Matthew Stafford on the Niners. Are they fourteen and zero? I don't think they're worse than eleven and three. No, which is what they are now. Right. You know, I think if you put Jimmy Garoppolo back, they're not eleven and three. So there are certainly quarterbacks Purdy's better than. But but and I'm not saying this to knock Purdy, but it's like, can we give the MVP to a guy who, if we replaced him with like eight other dudes in the league, the team would actually be better? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you could take Brock Purdy and put him on the Ravens. Right. And Baltimore, and Baltimore would, be would be where they or, are. Or the same. But if you took yeah. Lamar and you put him on the Niners, oh who God. the fuck's beating that team? No. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, I don't know. And then you're like, okay, well, McCaffrey. Well, I think I think four running backs have won it since 92. Emmett, Terrell, Sean Alexander, and AP. I think that's it. Maybe maybe Falk, so maybe five. That sounds right. Yeah, five guys in the, he, in, in he the last in the last thirty years. Yeah, it's a quarterback award. At least the way the league is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And at least, I, listen, I heard something the other day. I think Chris Broussard said it. They were talking about the MVP, and he posed an interesting idea about what the NFL should do. And he said, and I kind of agree with him, they should have like a Cy Young for football. And that's the quarterback award. Because, like, you can't really compare, Miles, let's say Miles Garrett's the best defensive player in the league. You can't really compare him to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has the ball all the time. He's dictating this. He's doing that. He's throwing. He's making all these decisions. You can't really compare a defensive guy to a quarterback, right? It's not really fair. And I know we have offensive and defensive players of the year, but it's like, you know, quarterbacking is kind of like pitching, if you think about it. And, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to the NFL coming up with a, a couple of different kinds of awards like that that allowed some other position players to be MVPs. Because, like, I think Tyreek Hill certainly would have been in the MVP conversation, but he's missed a couple games now because he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. But people would say a wide receiver can't be the MVP. He doesn't affect the game enough. But it's like, no, actually, he does because the other team's defense is completely focused on that guy. Right. So then do you not give an overall MVP in lieu of just we're just going to pick a lot of best guys at their own positions and then well, that's no, what I they think, are? No, I think it would be like, if you think about it like baseball, a pitcher could win MVP in baseball Sure, if they have a just a insane year. But they have their own But they have their own award. Okay. We're like a quarterback, you know, if Patrick Mahomes threw for 60 touchdowns, well, then he's the MVP. But if he throws for 42 and he has 4,200 yards and he's the best quarterback that year, he shouldn't get the MVP just because he's the best quarterback. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know. I, it's just these awards have been so watered down for me. Like, dude, the Heisman, oh. completely worthless. It's a completely worthless award that is based on politics, regional supremacy, and what conference you play in as much as it is about who's the best player in, in college football. Did you think Marvin Harrison even had a no. snowball chance no of chance. Finish, finishing in the top two, let alone winning? Mm-mm. No. no chance. And he's the best player. He's the best offensive player in football. I don't know about defense. I don't know who's the best defensive player in college football is, but he's the best offensive player in, in the sport. But, yeah, he was getting fourth because he's not a quarterback. Right. You know, and even when I look at like the NBA with the way they do it now, Giannis is never going to win another MVP. And he's barely even been in the MVP conversation and he's having a career year. Right. And the Bucks, the Bucks are on pace to win 60 games, which is more than they won last year when they were the one seed. But he's not in the conversation. No, because he's already what it's not. He had his turn. Right. Last year, last year was Jokic won the two previous MVPs. Last year, he had his best year, and they won the title, but Embiid won the MVP because it was, was quote-unquote, his, his turn. Yeah. It's, that's a stupid way to do this stuff. Well, you said you heard from the, the one of the, who's it, Ramona Shelburne or whatever her name was, when she basically said that. Yeah. Said, I can't vote for, Embiid's been waiting, and he hasn't had it yet, so I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. Like, like, what a, you should immediately have your vote stripped. Like, that's in, that's in. That's a, an NBA journalist take. Yeah. That's... It's his turn. Like, this is fucking duck, duck, goose. Like, well, you haven't hit Johnny on the head yet. Don't forget Johnny. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, week 16 matchups. 
A lot of teams going to get eliminated this weekend. Yeah, this is a big week. This is kind of the beginning of the end for about half the league. you got a lot of 7-7 seven and seven teams <laughs> and losing records and whatever. It'll start Thursday with the Saints and the Rams. Both are 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, based on a lot of the tiebreakers I've seen, I think if the Saints lose, they're done. They're pretty much done. So I, I think the Rams at home, I, I like them in that one. Cincinnati at 8-6, and six, uh, visiting the Steelers at 7-7. Seven and seven. That is Saturday, and then the other Saturday game is the 8-6 and six Bills at the 5-9 and nine new interim coach Chargers. Yeah, you would think the Bills should take care of business. I would think. Um, and then the other one, I, I think, is a Pittsburgh win Must. or they're out. Yeah. Because everybody else in the AFC seems to be on the right track. And then Sunday starts with the Colts at 8 and 6 and the and the uh, Falcons at 6 and 8. That'll be in Atlanta. Elimination game for Atlanta. For Atlanta. Yep. Uh Seattle 7 and 7 at the Titans who are 5 and 9. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Geno plays or not. Right. I haven't heard. I have not read anything about that either. This is what you alluded to when we were talking about the Lions and the Vikings. Uh, this week and then the last week, this matchup between Detroit and Minnesota is in Minneapolis. Yep. Detroit's 10-4, and four, Minnesota's 7-7, seven and seven, you think Detroit's not losing either of these. I, I, I have a hard time seeing them losing to, the, to Nick Mullins. I just do. <laughs> uh, here's a suck fest. 4-10 oh, Washington and 5-9 and Jets. Taylor Heineke versus Trevor Simeon. What is this like the How you sell fucking Meineke car, car Quest Bowl? Don't rip on my bowl games. How dare you? Crap fest. <laughs> it's the, okay, if the Packers lose this game, there is a problem. If somebody's not getting a pink slip when they step off the plane back from Charlotte, I don't know who. Somebody's got to get fired. I don't know who. Somebody does. If the Packers lose this game, I'm going to be very upset. Right, because it's costing it's you. It's the one time I have, to, I have to actually yep. kind of cheer for Green Bay to because win. It helps you. For sure. Yeah, with the pa- Absolutely. With the Got to keep Carolina yep. as shitty as possible. I would agree. Uh, the Browns 9-5 and five at the Texans 8-6. and six. Again, yeah, big, more battles big, this, of backups. This, this is a big game, but I, I mean. Who's quarterbacking for? Who's the backup for Stroud? Is it Davis Mills? I think that's right. I thought I heard his name long, this week. Um, old Long Neck Mills, <laughs> twin brother of uh, who's the Long Neck guy the Bears had? Um, oh. The guy they got from Tampa that they had signed, oh, Glennon, Rooster Neck, Mike Glennon, Mike Glennon, yeah, yes. Mike Glennon and Davis Mills, the two God. longest necks in NFL history. I remember going into that season that they were so confident in Mike Glennon as the starting quarterback, and I was just like, <laughs> okay, um, Jacksonville at eight and six. At Tampa seven and seven. I mean, two division leaders, but two at, teams that aren't very good. Look at those records. Yeah, and you just say division leaders. Yeah, isn't that something? That's bad. Two number one picks, Lawrence versus Baker. I mean, it, you know, you say those things, you're like, God, this should be a good game. Until this will be like this will be like eighteen to fifteen. Uh, here's the other crap fest. Oh my god! Three and eleven Arizona at a late start on Christmas Eve day mm-hmm. at Soldier Field. Five and nine, so it's going to be dark by the end of the first quarter uh, here in the Midwest. Um, well, this and is for a- the third time, third, fourth time this season. The Bears are actually favored in a game. Okay, four and a half. Okay, um, this is a game like like the Packer game where uh, if the Bears lose, uh, Getsy and Eberflus might as well just put their house up for sale. 
because they're getting fired. Maybe not. Maybe not at the end of. Maybe not Monday, but they're done. I tweeted that after the Packer game that that it should have been like Invincible when the coaches stopped by the players' office. Coach wants to see you bring your playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the owner would say to you know send somebody down to Eberflus. Owner wants to see you bring your playbook. Yeah, bring your playbook. Bring your playbook, old hair gel. <laughs> Uh, the Cowboys ten and four at the Dolphins ten and four. That's not bad. Yeah, I'd, this God, is, I'd love this, to see Miami pull this. This out. is a good one. Miami really hasn't beaten anybody any good, and Dallas can't win on the road. So something's got to give. I, I think, um, much bigger game for Dallas. I would agree. I would agree. You know, Miami's got a two game cushion on Buffalo. It'd be hard for but them to lose out. They, I don't know. Did we go through Baltimore yet? Oh no, Baltimore's coming up. Um. There's, is there a triple header on Monday? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, the NFL can't let anybody else have Correct. anything because they're cocksuckers. Correct, because so that's they, usually they, the NBA's they wanna, day. They want to try to steal the NBA's thunder, right. which... So we'll get to that. So, to me, I think this is almost... Yeah. I might go the other way on this. I think it's it's as, just as big for the Dolphins as, as it is because they just lost out to the Ravens on the number one seed. And Baltimore's got a big game at San Fran, which we'll get to. So it's like if Miami can win this and then you hope for a Ravens loss, then you're right in the competition for the number one seed. Sure. Yep. Which, which would definitely benefit Miami. So, um, But nevertheless, great game. Yeah. Um, Sunday night, Christmas Eve Eve. Thank God I'll be I was just gonna very say, liquored up by then. Can we go to bed early and not have to watch this? I'll be, watching, uh, I'll be watching my 14th uh, trip through uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There you go. Three and eleven Patriots and seven seven Broncos in Denver. I'm good. I don't need to watch no, that. No, I ain't watching that shit. Uh, first of three on Monday. Nine and five Kansas City and six and eight Raiders at Arrowhead. Yeah. I mean, Nothing you got to figure Chiefs, but Raiders have kind of surprised them in the past. Haven't they have they? a little bit, yeah. And then five and nine New York and Tommy DeVito against the Eagles. Ten and four in Philly. Boy, Christmas Day in Philly. What Philly, does that look like? uh, Philly's lost three in a row. They're they they're desperate for this one. They got to win this. Uh, game. But that's a big rivalry game is. for them in that in that division. Uh, and then um, Monday night will be the Ravens and the 49ers. That's the other big game. Could Eleven a, and three yeah, could be a Super Bowl preview. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to take away from your uh, from your Christmas Day on. Uh, well, yeah. Well, that's at night. NBA. Yeah. By, by then, I'll have already probably watched four NBA games. So, do the Bucks have the first one yeah. right out of the gate against the Knicks? Yep. And, and we'll get to that. So yep. that's that's about forty five minutes of NFL talk. So we'll we'll get through some basketball and get some final thoughts on the Brewers trade, and then we'll get out of here. Um, so the Bucks, they're on a six game homestand. They're five and zero. Oh. They wrap that up with Orlando. Uh, they've beaten the Pistons. Like we were, weren't we doing that? We we're doing a game when we hundred forty six points. Yeah, yeah. And then they beat the Rockets and no Wembenyama. For yeah, the, that kind of stunk yesterday. Right? For the Spurs. I saw that the day before that he already wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they wrap up the homestand with Orlando. Dame gets over 20,000, which is cool. Um, and then they play the Knicks twice. They play them on Saturday as a preview to Christmas, and they play them on Monday. Yeah. I, I got to say, I mean, you know, tip, in, in typical Popovich style, he doesn't give a fuck about anybody but himself. I mean, when Manana comes to Milwaukee once a year, you know everybody around here wants to see him play, and you're just not going to play him? Send him at a home game. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the NBA put in all these resting rules and stipulations. Well, that should be one of them. You can't be resting the star player. And I know 
you know, he's only a rookie, but it's like, listen, if the Spurs are coming to town, the guy you're promoting to sell tickets to come watch the Bucks play the Spurs is Victor Wembayama. That's it. Nobody's coming to watch Devin Vassell and Nick Collins. Sorry. You know? So you that, that, that just... You named more people on the Spurs than Colin and Bear were trying to come up with on their show well, yesterday. I did just I did just watch the game last night, so that, that Could helps. you have named more than that? A couple. I could name a couple. Really? Not, okay. not not more than probably three or four. All right. But yeah, so that 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 sucks. Um Yeah, tomorrow Orlando. Orlando's having a great year. They're third in the East, right behind the Bucks. They beat the Bucks by fifteen, I think, the first time they played, but no Dame. Um, in that one, so that that that'll be a fun one tomorrow. I'm disappointed I won't get to see much of that because we're going to be doing a a game. Um, I yeah, fire, I, I can fire up the pad if you want. You might, we we may have to do. Okay, well, yeah. I think we're going to have the ability to watch both in, 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 <laughs> in the particular game that we're going to be doing tomorrow. Okay. Um, yeah, weird, weird, like eleven thirty Saturday start, which is strange. But yep. I guess maybe I haven't looked at the complete schedule. Maybe the NBA is having early games that day so people can do some family stuff. It is nice for the Bucks uh, to have the, the back-to-back in New York so they can take their families with them, you know, to be there all weekend for Christmas. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, Monday, Christmas Day, they play the first game um, at the Knicks. So, But a big week for the Bucks, um, big milestone week. Giannis passed Kareem uh, on the uh, rebound list, is now the all-time rebounder in Bucks history. He's now got the most points, rebounds, assists. Uh, I'm not sure about steals and blocks. He's got four or I five. I thought it was those three for sure. For sure. He's got a couple other ones. And, uh, you know, when he's done, other than, you know, free throw percentage and three-pointers, he's going to probably have everything. Um, as he should. Last night, Dame uh, crossed the 20,000-point mark. Um, only 51 players had ever done it. That's a really cool um, milestone to get. You know, it means it means you're a really good player for a long time. You know, and, and there's been 5,000 or something guys that have ever played in an NBA game, and only 50 have got to that. He's got a lot more to go. I look today... Um, Giannis probably the end of next year, late in the season, might get to 20, 20K, or else it'll be right at the beginning of the following year. But he's he's in the low 17s right now. Usually guys, you know, if you play 72 to 75 games and you average about 25 to 27 a game, you're right about that 2,000-point mark. Well, Giannis is averaging 32 a game, so he's going to, definitely get to the 2000 point mark, which would put him probably, you know, low 19s when the season starts. So that'll be fun to see next year. But Bucks have, have um, you know, getting a little bit healthier. They got Connaughton back, which has been nice. Um, Bobby Portis has really been playing well. The other night he had like 31 and 12 off, yep, the bench. off the bench. Had a huge game again last night. I love having comments from him when they can interview him in the media for the next day. He gives a great soundbite. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Love it. God, yeah, we got, what did he say? We got a, oh, a five a five ski or something like that on the road or something. I was like, what did he say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bobby, really Bobby's great. a good dude and. You know, and he he's been a little chippy here. Yes, the last the last yep. couple weeks, ever since they lost in that in season tournament game, and there was a little um, polite confrontation with Griffin in the locker room after I think the Bulls game. 
that the double technical game where he got tossed? I don't remember which game that. That might, that. yeah, that was the Pacer game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, when they beat the Pacers at home. So he's been he's been a little feisty, which is good. And he even said, you know, I, I'm that back to being me. That's just that's that's Bobby. That's mm-hmm. what he needs to do. Um, and then it's been nice. Andre Jackson Jr. has been getting some nice burn off the bench, and he's played well. Um, Middleton and Beasley both missed a couple games here. Middleton sat out, you know, just for load management, and Beasley was sick. And in the in the second game, Beasley was out. Jackson started. Um, that was the Houston game, and he was awesome. He played really well, and and that's kind of what I've really been wanting to see out of him and Bochamp is like, just show me as the year goes on, you 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 won't shit your pants <laughs> if in the second round you're playing Miami and Butler's going bananas, and you got to throw Jackson Jr. on him for three minutes. You know what I'm saying, like. Mm-hmm. He can he can not get killed, and he can do a couple things for you offensively. Where you get an offensive rebound, or he'll keep the ball alive, or get a loose ball. So, pleasantly surprised at what I've what I've seen from those guys. Okay. So, listen, they're twenty and seven. We're we're thirty three percent through the season. They're on pace to win sixty games, which is more than they've won last year. I did not think they would they would get to that. I I still am not sure. Um, that that'll happen. We'll see. But will guys start getting rested as the season moves along into the second half? Um, it's it's possible. It's possible. I I still think I think through the All Star break for sure we're going to continue to see them baby Middleton. Okay. Um, Giannis and and Dave have played a lot most of the games so far, so. I think there's a little bit of they want to play together because they want to become they want to get that familiarity. So yeah, maybe around the All Star break into you know when you get into the dog days and around Valentine's Day, you may see some of these those two guys take some nights off. But I I don't see either one of them playing less than seventy two seventy three games. Um, and if those guys are playing that many games, you know the Bucks are going to be in the high fifties, low sixties for wins and. You know, they're a half game behind Boston. You know, Boston leads the East at twenty and six after losing last night to Golden State. So, you know, and Porzingis is hurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what did we talk about in the preseason? You know, Boston looks awesome on paper. Their top six are great, but they got some health issues, right? So we'll see. All right, so uh, Boston's leading the East. The Timberwolves are leading the West. Yeah, still still playing That's well. That's impressive to me, and I I am a hard luck case kind of a guy. And the Timberwolves, they've been steadily going up. I know, but like the only Timberwolves teams that I really took notice of are the ones that the losses were just a lot, mm-hmm. and they've never really had one of those really really kick-ass teams in a long time up there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I am happy for them. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, listen, they got two number one picks on their team. I mean, you got Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Those guys were number one overall picks. So you should be good. And you went out and you gave away a bunch of assets and paid a lot of money for Rudy Gobert um, to come in and be your anchor defensively. And he wasn't very good last year in his first year there, but he's been much better and, you know, I've talked about him a hundred times on this podcast. I love Anthony Edwards. He's awesome. Um, he is, you know, he's not on a Kobe, Michael Jordan level as far as how good of a player is, but he's got that mentality. Like, 
I don't really give a shit who I'm playing. I'm going to kick their ass. And, uh, yeah, it's it's fun to see them at the top. You know, last year it was fun to see Sacramento right. back. Yes. So it's kind of nice to see, you know, a little bit of that turnover. We're seeing, you know, Golden State has slid down now, mm-hmm. and, and Phoenix has kind of slid down a little bit. The Clippers, even though they've been hot, you know, they haven't really – Taking the West by storm. The Lakers have had some issues. So it's cool to see some of these teams at the top. Lakers are in Chicago tonight, and you mentioned them. And did did they and the Pacers just blow their load in the in-season tournament? Because now that that's over, they have won two games apiece, or two games total between them. Well, I think as far as the Pacers go, the Pacers are a young team that's going to be up and down. And, and they're an all-offense team. So the nights their shots are falling, it's it's like some of the teams that we follow. The nights they make 20, 22, 24 threes, you ain't beating them. They're scoring 140. Uh, but the nights that they're around 110, 115, they're very beatable. Um, as far as the Lakers go, yeah, they blew their load. They are um, a 500 basketball team outside of the tournament. Actually, no, let me think. They were 7-0 and in the tournament. They're 8-12. and not in in-season tournament games. So that tells you there's a lack of, of focus mm-hmm. and maybe availability for them in some of these games. Um, Pacers are 1-4 since the tournament. Lakers are 1-3, including uh, the only Spurs win in their last 21 games <laughs> was the other day against the Lakers. So, yeah, not, not playing real well. All right, the, uh, before we get to uh, the story of who's back, let's go uh, and give the uh, Eternal Suck Award oh, man. to the, uh, uh, take your pick, I guess, the Pistons who have lost 24 in a row, the Spurs have four wins, they've lost 20 out of 21, like you said, uh, they beat the Lakers, but that's been it. Those two teams, I was surprised when I was previewing the Bucks game on the air and looking at the record, and I just I said aloud when I was at my desk, it was like three forty-five in the morning. I just went, "The Spurs have four wins." <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think they were that bad. Yeah, I just didn't. I know they got the number one pick, and you're generally terrible if you get that. But I was like, four? Yeah, wow. But the Pistons that that is just an abomination <laughs> because like the the Pistons aren't trying to be bad. Like the Spurs, the Spurs aren't trying to be bad, but the Spurs understood we're not going to be very good. We just had the number one pick, you know. We're going to take our lumps this year. Didn't you say that the Pistons have like some young, young talent? Well, they got trying. They to... got Cade Cunningham, who was the number one pick three years ago. They got Jaden Ivey, who was like the number five pick last year. They got they traded uh, for James Wiseman, who was the number two pick from Go- from Golden State a couple years ago. They gave Monty Williams the largest contract in coaching history in the NBA going into the season, like seven years, $140 million. Do they want what him? the fuck is he doing? Do they want him after this year? Seriously. <laughs> like, so like they were trying to take a step, you know, I mean, maybe get into the play in conversation. How's that look right now? I mean, they're, they're What's the record for most losses in a row. Have they, are they coming close? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I still think the worst Overall record in NBA history was uh, the like the early seventies Sixers or something like that. I think okay. they won nine games. I think that's still the worst record of all time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about Detroit. I I certainly don't root for Detroit, 
but I do like a couple of those kids on their team. I like Cunningham and I like Ivy, but man, they they just they can't figure it out. So between the 14-15 and then the 16 or 15-16 seasons, the 76ers lost 28 games in a row. Okay. But that split seasons, yeah. does that count? No. Should it count? Not, not really, not to me. But 28 and they're at 24. Yeah, they're close. <laughs> they're close. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, so then I saw, uh, and I didn't even know this, uh, John Morant came back and was a factor in winning the game. Yeah, it was awesome, and he hit the He had like 35 and hit the game winner at the buzzer. I mean, the dude's an awesome player. And But we knew that. Yeah. He just seems like a dumbbell. Yeah. Bad decision-making he, yeah, he, when he's off the court. He the, the, the fame got him, and all the things that came with that got him. Can you go back? From that, I think he'll be okay. You do? I, I, I do, I do, okay. I because at the end of the day, he didn't technically break any laws. No, he just did something stupid that was, that was was against the workplace right. rules. And they don't want, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if taking basketball away from you and taking endorsements away from you, if that doesn't shake you up a little bit, I don't know what does. If all these you guys know. do is like if it all revolves around money, and that's where you want to hit them, yeah. In order to, for it to seep into your brain, that's what yeah, that's what you got to do. Because he's got an he's on a nice contract right now, but event you know it's not going to last forever. Right. He's going to be up for one again in another two or three years. And um, but he's an awesome player. Memphis has not been good without him. Right. That was a team that if he's there, you know, shit. Last year, I think they were the two seed. So. That, that's a huge thing to get him back. All right. You're going to be watching a ton of hoops on Christmas Day. I might tune in, if depending on what time we go to my parents. They are not basketball people. They love listening to us, and they love going to Badger games. They're just not NBA people. But I might tune in to the Bucks and the Knicks, depending on uh, if I can and when football is. But um, are these... These aren't necessarily marquee matchups. Like, I feel like Celtics and Lakers is more for the names rather than the... Mm-hmm. actual quality of the teams. Yeah. Um, well, let me just say, if you would rather watch the <laughs> Raiders and the Chiefs play than the Bucks and the Knicks, then I don't know why we even have this podcast. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll have to check if there's a college football bowl game on Christmas. Oh. That might go well, over both of these. You and the players' grandparents will be the ones watching that. So, <laughs> uh, they Before we get into the yeah. Christmas Day thing, they had a game on, I think it was last Thursday. Okay. It was some bowl game. There was nine people there. I totally believe it. And I'm sitting there watching going, God, I hope a kid doesn't tear his knee up. None of what the, is this for? None of the players that are no, – not, that would be disrespectful to the players that are actually playing. None of the players with professional aspirations are playing in these games. That isn't even the point. I'm just saying, like, dude, you're playing you're, – you're six and six. You're playing in a game that no one's watching and no one is attending – like, I would hate to see a kid blow his Achilles out and screw his life up for two years. But you know what? I guarantee you ask every one of those players, they all want to play. Mm. It's one of those things where if if I get another chance to play, and a lot of the seniors, you're going to send me to seniors another. I, th- seniors I get. But seniors it, I get. But that it's like, yeah, you give me another chance to get on the field and do what I love to do. They don't. Most of them don't care about all that stuff that, that you were referring to. The ones that have a future in mind afterwards, absolutely top of mind. Mm-hmm. But 
I would almost guarantee you, you talk to every one of those in, in, the, in the locker room before the game, and they say, are you excited for this, even though nobody's going to be there, and it's this and whatever and blah, blah, blah. They're going to be like, shit, yeah, I'm excited. I, I get to go play football with my teammates. That's just the way that those people are dialed in. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I mean, I, I can remember when when um, the, the years we didn't make the tournament at Whitewater, we could still practice through the end of the NCAA tournament, and nobody wanted to fucking be there. That's I'm not shocked about that. So, uh, I don't know. May, maybe you're right. I don't know. I just, okay. I just, I don't know. They, whoever works for these networks and is able to sell advertisement for these games, they they're, do. they're fucking magicians. Yep. Because I don't know who I don't know who the hell the McDonald's thinks is watching this game. You missed one hell of a famous toastery bowl the other day <laughs> when Western Kentucky was down twenty eight to nothing and came back to win it in overtime. Two blocked field goals. It was ridiculous. Even the Badger game, even the Badger bowl though. Like I had to look the bowl up. Oh, because I'm like, the, what the fuck is this? The and then I'm like, oh, okay, it used to be the Outback Bowl. Yeah. Okay, now I now I know what See, it is. And that's the thing. The, I never heard of the famous Toastery Bowl, but the Bahamas Bowl is what it was, and they're redoing the stadium, so then they had to change because otherwise I had no idea what, what, yeah. what it was. Because the sponsors change all the time, yeah. and everything gets renamed. All right. All right, anyway. Go, go so, through the NBA yeah, Christmas Bucks, lineup. Knicks, 1130, followed by Warriors, Nuggets. I'll probably watch both those two games. Yeah. I will not watch the Celtics and the Lakers. I hate both of those teams. Um Sixers in Miami, eh, I might watch a little of that. Mavs and Suns, that'll be during the Niner-Baltimore game, and I'll probably be watching more of that. But okay. but listen, all, all in all, five pretty good games, you know, ten of the more marquee teams in the league. It's just, you know, it's cool that I think for, I don't know, like the fifth year in a row, fourth oh, or fifth year in a row, the Bucks, Bucks are around. involved. Yeah. Even if it's the early one, but that's okay. It'll be before I'm liquored up. So <laughs> Good sense of pattern of drinking around the it's holiday. Christmas what else are we gonna it's Christmas we're we're all old now there's nothing else to do let's just watch sports eat and drink all right uh college hoops quick Marquette um were you surprised did you watch the St. Thomas game or were we doing a game uh we weren't doing a game I, I think the Bucks were on so I was flicking back and forth and then I turned it back with like Seven or eight minutes left. And it was like, one? Yeah, it was like a two, three-point game, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> so then I watched the rest of it. Um, listen, St. Thomas uh, played well. Uh, Marquette, I think, played well for a while, let their foot off the gas, and then had to try to pick it up again at the end, and were able to do that. Um, you know, St. Thomas has got some Wisconsin connections. They have some Wisconsin kids on the team. I think their point guard was from Brookfield. They had a kid last year that was the player of the year in the state here two years ago. Uh, uh, Matt Rohde, I think is his name. Yeah. He's now at Virginia. He went to St. Thomas last year, transferred to okay. Virginia. Um, so, you know, that happens. You know, Badger fans have seen that happen. Sure. It, it, it happens. Um, but then but you go to Providence. It, it was a little bit of a precursor to what happened last night right. when they went to Providence and and – you know they didn't get blown out, but they got they got their ass kicked pretty good. They it was a pretty good ass kick, and in Providence is a is a good team. That is a tournament team. Um, they're almost unbeatable at home. I think they're forty four and three in the last three years at home. Shock is zero and three since he took over Marquette. Yeah, Marquette's in Rhode lost, Island. And Marquette's lost five in a row there. So um, it's it's a little bit of a house of horrors for them. But but Providence is good. They played a good game. <clears throat> Marquette. Their, their kryptonite in their three losses has been big physical teams. You got Edie with Purdue. You've got the Badgers 
and now you've got Providence. And all three of them, that's the similarity. Marquette really struggles to rebound against those teams. Igadaro, who is kind of Igadaro, I don't think he's not their best player, but he's probably Marquette's most important player because he's kind of the spoke of the, of the wheel of their offense. They just run so much stuff through him, whether on the in the high post or down on the block or even bringing the ball down the floor. He was bad last night. He only took one shot in the second half. Cam Jones had like thirteen at half. Took one shot in the second half. They've been missing um, their defensive specialist, Stevie Mitchell, for the last few games. So it, it was just kind of one of those things where I wasn't shocked that they lost, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that wound up about it. It's a, a tournament it, team. It's a conference game on the road against a team that's going to make the tournament. Uh, but listen, the Big East is fucking loaded, man. Is Georgetown better this year? Yeah, because they were horrible last well, year or the year before. The guy who built Providence, Ed Cooley, went there. He's at Georgetown yeah. now, and. And he's going to turn them around quickly. You and I were just watching some stuff here on Fox Sports 1 before we started. Yep. Rick Patino's got St. John's going in the right direction. They're going to be a, a, a tough team to beat. They're playing Xavier and right I think, now. And I think their best guy is a big monster who's averaging a double-double. Creighton's 12th in the country. They're, they got a great coach in McDermott. UConn's the defending national champ. They're top five in the country. They got a great coach. So... This league is stacked right now with talent, and Marquette's going to take their lumps. Like, they might not even end up. I think they're a better team than last year's team, but I have a feeling they're going to end up with a lower seed in the tournament because I think it's going to be just a gauntlet going through this league. Um, it might be like UConn last year. It was kind of the same thing. UConn was like a five seed in the tournament, but like eight, like I think they had like eight losses. I think seven of them were in the league. It's just, you know. You've seen that over the years with with um, in the Big Ten, where you might win the league, you might be twelve and six. You know what I mean? It's just it's one of those years. So um, they got Georgetown Friday, mm-hmm. and then uh, they're off for for the Christmas holiday, and and I think they get back going towards the end of the year. So Badgers only had one game last week. They played Jacksonville State. They got mm-hmm. a fifteen point win. Um, they're eight and three, and now they got Chicago State coming up. I think that's their final non-conference game, which you know, again, seems like a cupcake. But just beat they just beat Northwestern at Evanston, who just beat Purdue, and just got into the rankings. And Chicago State goes there and beats them. Yeah, I mean, poor Wilbon. He was just like, we can't have nice things. <laughs> Every time something good happens to Northwestern basketball, they just. They just completely screw themselves. But, I mean, but at the same time, if the Badgers win by 25, not going to be shocked. Right. Because it's a cupcake, right? So, you know, it's just one for the Badgers where keep your head on a swivel and be ready to play. Because these guys have proven they can beat they can beat sure. a, a decent team in your league. Yep. All right. Um, so that's college hoops. Um, one thing to talk about in baseball before Dan gives us Final thoughts, and we, we kind of close out with some high school stuff because we got a game on Thursday night, and then there are a couple of games. The Optimus Classic with the Craig girls are next week, and then uh, the Craig boys play Beloit, part of a doubleheader, so we'll be there a little busy between Christmas and New Year's. But um, Brewers get their first trade with new Mets GM, David Stearns, and the, uh, the new uh, Brewers GM. Uh, I don't even know what his name is. Matt, Matt Arnold. Arnold. That's right. So... The Brewers send Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor to the Mets 
for a guy named uh, Coleman Crow. I'd never heard of him. But the immediate thing when the tweets came out announcing the news was that he just had Tommy John surgery and he's going to be coming off of that and will probably won't pitch next year. So you yeah. get rid of a starter and a guy who it's going to be a packed outfield, which I understand. But like you and I were just talking, Taylor, you don't probably want him in your everyday starting lineup because then there's a problem. Either somebody hasn't worked out or a lot of guys are hurt which none of which is good, but he has done good things in some spot appearances. Mm-hmm. He's had some big home runs. I mean, he's, he, and, and he's a veteran. He's, he's seen things. He's done things. He's not a bad guy to have coming off your bench. Unfortunately, it might be just one of those situations where we probably won't have an opportunity for him to get his at bats. So we got to ship him. Mm-hmm. My problem is for a guy that you don't know whether he's going to do anything or not. And and you and you gave away a pitcher as part of it as well. A guy you knew you were going to use, probably. Yeah, the Hauser part of the trade is the is the interesting part to me because you've already lost Woodruff for the year, right? So you're you're a man down already. You didn't offer him a contract. You're you're he's not even on the team. It's hard for me to believe that Colin Ray is going to duplicate the success he had last year because even though he wasn't great last year, he was pretty good for him. Um, Aaron Ashby is coming off a missed year. We don't know what the hell he's going to be. So I was really surprised to see them trade Hauser. Hauser's not a great pitcher, but he's yeah. not terrible. But he's going to start 25 games. He's going, to, he's going to have an ERA in the low fours. He's going to keep you in a lot of games. Um, so that that surprised me. But, um, you know, trading for a guy that just had Tommy John in July, he's most likely going to be out all of 2024. Um, So I guess you freed up two roster spots in theory. You know, does that mean there's a, you know, with the trading of Tyrone Taylor, does does that lead you to believe... Churio's got a little bit easier path to the majors out of spring training next year. Or is there a signing coming? Is there a signing coming? Is there a trade coming? You know, the the Burns-Adamas trade market has been bandied about here the last couple weeks, and as you and I were talking before we came on, you know, are, from the Brewers' perspective, are they looking at if we're going to trade one or both of these guys, we don't really want a bunch of prospects back because – all of our prospects are are hitting the majors right now. Like we need real guys, right. you know. Like if we're going to trade Willie Adamas, we kind of need somebody that can come back right now and be a starter in the middle of the infield. Right. Because as much as we all like Bryce Terang, we have no evidence that he can hit. Right. And if you're going to tell me going into spring, you know, opening day next year that we're going to have a middle infield of like him and Monasterio, for instance, I like both those guys. But I'm not sure you're going to win a lot of games. That's right? Is that, that way. is that where you, is that who you really want to be starting opening day? For sure. Yeah. Um, they had made a they made a small trade last week. They got Tyler Clark from the Royals mm-hmm. in exchange for a couple of run of the mill minor leaguers. Um, Clark, thirty years old, fifty eight games with the Royals last year, five nine five ERA. Take that for what you will. The the Royals stunk, so. You never know with that. Um, but, you know, a couple of guys that I'm not sure are going to help you much. Right. You know, 
next year, no, if if Olong's at all. Not. Yeah, if at all. Maybe um, Clark. We'll but. see. We'll see. It's it's hard for me to get too wound up in December right. about baseball it's with the Brewers because and well, and they're never gonna make they're not gonna make the huge splash. Right. Um. So yeah, that's 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 pretty much all we got for the Brewers. All right. Uh, you did have a thought about the Cubs that you were sharing with. Yeah, I was talking to my dad today, and he's pretty convinced the Cubs are going to end up signing Hater. Um, you know, he had a very tight relationship with Council reportedly, and um. You know, that's the Cubs are looking to spend some money on some some named guys. Want to get your manager some talent? Yep, and you know, I'm sure if asked, I'm sure Craig would have nothing but great things to say about his experience with Hater. Right, and he got you know, as a Brewer fan, got it would just kind of be the ultimate fuck you, you know, you because it kind of feels like the whole souring from Council's part kind of started with that trade. And then to have them both end up on the Cubs this year would really, really, that would suck. That would suck. So I can't wait to see that happen Mm because you know it probably will. Yeah. All right, a couple of minutes left. You had made uh, an observation about um, where we're kind of at with some of these sports and games not only at the high school level and the in the teams that we cover and the games that we either do or we watch on YouTube or we hear about, um, you know, there's at the college level, uh, the Bucks, even some football. You just had kind of some general malaise about where we are with sports and as fans and what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it just seems like the the actual product that we're watching isn't very good. Um, you know, we 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 do we do all these high school games, and listen, I've been following high school sports in Wisconsin for you know, I'm 42 years old. I've been following it for 35 years. There's always been guys that I remember. There was a guy when I was a kid. His name was Travis Tuttle, and he played at Argyle. And he used to average like 45 a game. But that was because he was at Argyle. And he was the only guy in the school that could make shots. And they ran the whole offense around him. And he played in a rinky-dink league against rinky-dink schools. But we're seeing now, like, there was a kid for Sun Prairie the other night against Craig. He had 51 points. And I watched the whole game on YouTube. And Sun Prairie's ranked like seventh in the state. They're 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 probably the best team in the Big Eight. But I watched the game, and it looked like I was watching jabs <laughs> with referees. <laughs> it it, ju- it just looked like an open gym. Oh man! There was not much structure. It was teams just running up and down. A lot of threes. Not much. Not much defense played. You know. Kind of throwing the ball over, not really caring if you turned it over. Um, but but if you say that, then you get people telling you, "Oh, well, these guys are so much more skilled." And you know, and listen, I will give you that. I think there are more kids today that can do stuff: shooting, passing, dribbling, what whatever you want to constitute as a skill. I think there are more kids today than there were when I played. But I don't know that the the quote-unquote best kids now are any better than 30 years ago. 
and you know, there's there's some kids locally that we watch that are putting up thirty eight point twenty two rebound games, and they're not even basketball players. They're not even very good basketball players. They're good athletes, mm-hmm. but they're not very good basketball players, and they're putting up numbers that great all-state, all-time level players that we all saw in the 90s and early 2000s never even approached these numbers. And I'm just like, why is this happening? You know, listen, the high school games, it's, it's four minutes longer than it used to be, and teams shoot more threes than ever before, and the game is is more fast-paced. I get all that. But it seems like we've kind of jumped the shark with some of this stuff where it just kind of looks like an open gym. And even watching the NBA, I've never seen a Bucks team score 140 points like nothing like I'm seeing this year. And I knew they were going to be an offensive team getting Dame, but like... You're seeing scores like 146 to 135. Like, that used to be a double overtime game. Or we were disgusted when that was the All-Star game. Exactly. Like, dude, if they play this way in the All-Star game, it might be 220 to 210. (laughs) And I just think, you know, we're seeing it in football with just the, you know, and we've even heard a guy, Tom Brady, talked about it. The low quality of quarterback play. At a time when there's more camps, there's more specialization, there's more coaches, there's more film, these guys should be better fundamentally at every single aspect of it, but they're not. And listen, we've talked about this. Can we go back, you know, if we go back and and look at the 32 backup quarterbacks in 1995 versus the 32 backup quarterbacks in 2023, they're all not very good. But it just seems like, well, but they should be much better now. Why aren't they? Because the game itself for those guys has gotten easier. There's less things the defense can do. You can't hold. You can't grab. You can't hit in the head. You can't hit in the knees. Why is it so much? Why is the league not great? Why is the product not better? And then with baseball, home run or bust. Teams and players fine getting taken out in the seventh inning of a no hitter, and oh yeah, I reached my reached my pitch limit. Like what? I don't know. It's just the whole the whole thing right now is not great. I mean, everything's more popular than ever. We talk about it more. There's more podcasts. There's more TV shows. Merchandise, but none of it is the game. Right. It's all the other shit. Around the game, free agency. Should the coach be fired? Should they bring this? Should they re-sign this quarterback? Should they draft this guy? It's not the game because at the end of the day, the games aren't that good. I mean, we're we go through every week and we look at the the rundown of the fifteen or sixteen NFL games. It's like okay, two of them might be good. Like really, two games? I don't know. Maybe maybe we all gotta go hop in a DeLorean and take a time machine back 30 years, maybe it was the same way 30 years ago, but I don't remember it being that way. And maybe that's, maybe I'm looking through the lens of, you know, youth and, and being more excited about a game because I was younger, but I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just watch a lot of these, these 
the stuff going on these days, and it's not that pretty. It's not that pretty. We were all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed back then. We were all enamored with the the largeness of the game and the largeness of the superstars to really dive into whether it was good or not. We just all wanted to watch and be a part of it and see good guys and see our teams win. And now, yeah, their guys are good and, yeah, the teams win, but how they get there is is way different. Yeah, weirdly, it seems like college sports, the, the actual game part, has probably changed the least. And it's because the coaches still have control. Coaches at the high school level, they got to worry about mom and dad. Yep. Coaches at the college level don't. Coaches at the pro level, they got to worry about They're egos crazy. and money. Coaches at the college level don't. So the game, the fo- football and basketball, hasn't changed as much because there's still that control. It might with NIL. Right. That might, down, yeah, that, that might be coming. Talk to me in 10 next, years. Next it might thing. be a completely right. different thing. But well, that, was, uh, that was some good thoughts. Yeah. That was a good place to wrap it. Uh, we'll see if we can do one next week. Yeah, we'll, we're busy. We'll I see if we lot. can squeeze one in. Uh, Begzer's off next week, so I don't know whether I'm going to be able to pull that together. we got a couple of games. we got one tomorrow. So uh, have a Merry Christmas. Yep, you too, brother. Uh, thank you for listening and downloading. And if we don't talk to you, have a good new year as well. Uh, Until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. We will talk to you soon. Go Bucks! Merry Christmas.